Hey gang, Christian here. This is a little recording that Joe and I made the other day, kind of a goofy little thing to tide you over until the summer. Uh, there's some good topics. It was fun. Uh, but there were a couple little dropouts. We don't know why it happened around 15 minutes and 35 minutes in. You'll see. I didn't try to cover it over or edit it out. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the conversation that remains. But I uh, wanted to apologize to you again for the scotch tape and string that kind of holds this whole operation together. I guess that's the high-quality product that you have come to know and love here at Oil Argument. Anyway, appreciate your listening. What do you want to talk about? You had some topics. I did. So we're, I, I felt like we needed to record. So this is a busy time. It's a very busy time. It's a busy time. And there so are exams. We're kind of on hiatus. Yep. Um, we, we probably will not ship an episode next week. There may be one the week after. Mm. Right? Maybe. But then once once we get into June, I feel like after... You're going to be away for a week in June, I think? Several days in June. Not, yeah. not a week, not a full week. But, but it may be that it, that prevents us from recording. So, but there's going to come a point in the summer where we're going to get into a groove, though, I think. Yeah. There's like the summer camp experience of oral argument Absolutely. is going to happen. Yes. But we're not there yet. No. This is the, the, the interim period between kind of the end of school and the beginning of summer camp. Right. So forgive us, listeners. They've been, you know, people have been calling. They've been leaving voicemails. They've been getting in touch with, you know, everybody. People have been to email. see where we see they, where we are. They've been going to my wife's work. They're like, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, where are they okay? Yeah, are they all right? We're people fine. been wondering about our wel- our, our uh, welfare. So, want to give a li- I want to give a shout out to a listener, listener Charlie, who to whom I owe an email actually. Um, <laughs> who was there's who, nothing that happens at this time of year that doesn't also include a, oh my gosh i've got to do something right yeah um but listener charlie who is a friend of a friend and therefore i met that way um big fan of the show so a little shout out to charlie listener charlie okay um and uh is that the whole story yeah i thought there was a no. i thought there was a thing that no. happened we're just doing random shout outs now yeah. Pretty much. Okay. We have been getting some emails in the in the uh, in the email inbox there. Yeah. Uh, we've been getting some some tweets on the twitters. Do you want to say anything about these no, right now? I think not I think really. We're do, I mean, we're going to catch there. up a little bit later. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, we we acknowledge we, them. We value them. We will we will talk about them at some point. We soon. will. Today is not that day though. Today is not that day. But so because you had some topics, you sent me this long list of things. Now I'd read one of them already. I was kind of, I don't know if it's a long list. I, I don't know. It's like it had 30 or 40 items on it. I, I think I should say up front, too, that this is going to be one of those where we just send it out. May not even go. May not even include links. because It's just that I feel like we need to get something out there. Yeah. But, you know, is this, the, you know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we could just say that for an hour. That doesn't sound very interesting. Yeah. Just say the phrase, you know, over and over again. Not the great, not the most scintillating. I think that, that kind of yeah, that's kind of like an emoji in speech. It's a shrug emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There are some topics. I thought so. I thought we could talk about uh, exams. Ooh, you didn't about? want to uh, the other day. So let me just say, this is the second time we've oh, tried. Oh, you're going to you're going to air all the dirty laundry. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go. And it didn't. What are you What are you doing? I'm holding up the little guard here. Why? Because I want to. This is. Oh my god. <laughs> it's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> Is it? No, no, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, 
I'm going to put it down soon. I feel like I should like remind us that this is a show about ideas. <laughs> it's a serious legal theory podcast. You chastised podcast. me. It's you you're <laughs> such a you contain multitudes. When we when we got Maggie This is a way of saying that I'm a hypocrite. That's a that's a nice way of saying that you're a hypocrite is to say that you contain multitudes. When we got Maggie on the horn mm-hmm. to talk about her wonderful paper about petitioning, which is a fantastic paper. Well, which I keep I keep thoroughly enjoyed to talking to her about it. Yeah, but you chastised me. Did I for not having sufficient uh, tomfoolery and japery <laughs> at the beginning of the conversation? Is japery a word? I know what jape is, but I don't know if japery is. And now you are <clears throat> implicitly chastising me for being a little bit too silly. Oh, speaking of being silly, I should say at the outset, I'm Christian. I'm Joe. <laughs> That's for listener Reg. Yes. Uh, we, we did – someone said they couldn't tell us apart, which I have to say made me immediately think Joe's going to stop doing the show because it is – because it is a smear on your character that the, <laughs> that the things I say might be attributed to you. No. I would totally understand if you wanted to pull the plugs right true. after receiving that tweet. No, it's not, not true at all. Well, um, it's I, – I never thought people couldn't tell us apart. Yeah, I think our voices are quite distinct, but – Certainly our speech patterns, our ideas, I don't know. Yeah. I would think so. Anyway, so so I, I'm Christian Turner. And I'm Joe Miller. Now, okay. which of the two of us uh, – I, I think of my you're, – you're sort of more the Dean Martin character and I'm sort of more the Jerry Lewis character. That's – Right? Are you – I see that's I, – I, that's, I, that's before my time. Okay. Uh, which of us is the Cheech and which is the Chong? Mm, there's sort of the uh, the 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 uh, Laurel and Hardy mm-hmm. pairing. There's um, the there's the Felix and Oscar pairing, right? Uh, it's a lot of pairings. There's Bert the tub, and Ernie. There's the Tubbs. There's the Crockett. Uh, Bert and Ernie. There's, there's what are the names of the guys in Chips? Eric Estrada. Who's the other guy? Oh, that's a great. question. What are their names? What a what a trivia question. Boy, um, you asked me like in the eighties. I would instantly some, like Ponch wasn't that oh, Ponch. one of them named Ponch? Yeah, Ponch was was uh, it was the Eric Estrada. Guy, oh, was that his? It was character so. name. Yeah. No, well, I mean, no, it, it, the actor's name is Eric Estrada. Right. And so you're saying the character na- name was Ponch. I believe it's Ponch, and I don't know the other guy. I wanted to say Crockett, which or is Tubbs. interesting because you know Punch and Judy was the old English mm-hmm. uh, little puppetry thing. So Ponch is awfully close to Punch. Which we, is also the name of a British publication. It was a magazine called Punch. So do you think you're Hooch or Turner? <laughs> well, Turner and Hooch, as all of our listeners w- well know, uh, one of the members of the Turner and Hooch uh, couplet is a big slobbering dog. <laughs> and I think it's very obvious that I'm that character. I'm the big slobbering dog. You're From the, Tom the names, Hanks. I would guess You're that's the charming Hooch. Tom Hanks character. Really? Yeah. Huh. Feel, For sure. Intellectually, at least, I feel like a big slobbering dog. Speaking of dogs, here comes Darcy. Yay. Hey, Darcy. You know, people. I think people are thinking there's not enough Darcy lately. Mm. Now, I have to say, for all the people who are thinking, hey, not enough tomfoolery lately. Not enough, you know, whatever. Whatever I got used to in episodes one through 100. Not enough of that lately. And wh- where have you guys been? It's been like three weeks almost. I think they're instantly regretting those. <laughs> I think, I think at this those point, they're, they're regretting those. Yeah, maybe, maybe more the more recent stuff. Yeah, take thinking. a little more time off and get a little more focused. <laughs> right, but it's not. This is the, this is your. This is like I said. It's the interval. It's the interim period. Although we do have some serious topics. Okay, 
I think there are some serious. I mean, there's at least one serious topic. About, Topics for the interregnum. But let's. Well, I was going to say interregnum, but it's really not a. You know, let, there's no royalty on either side. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I mean, what we do. Will you watch the royal wedding, the uh, the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle wedding? Absolutely not. Although I have to say, I have a lot more sympathy for people who are interested in that. Like I do for many things that I did not like that I'm not like you drawn more to sympathy. What do you mean by sympathy? Well, maybe it's empathy. I, 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 which word? Which it's the right word when when I've learned that other people think of these things in a in a different way, and I've come to appreciate it by knowing someone else. Mm, nice. What, what? What? Which word would you use for that? That sounds like empathy. It sounds like empathy, but almost like I feel like I, you know, I don't know. Like I relate it to exper- an experience I have and realize, oh, that's not so different. Yeah. So in a way, it's a kind of sympathy. So it's why it's so important to talk to people and hear about yeah. things that are going on this in other sh- people's this, lives. It's and, my uh, uh, classmate and and now um, author Jasmine uh, Guillory, mm. who's written a smash hit, The Wedding Date. Nice, and is coming out with a new book. Okay. And she's always been into like always posts these like very like authentically happy uh, um, posts about the royal wedding and about all kinds of things that that don't interest me at all in a way, but I. I, I'm there for her posts about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Right. So um, I, I love having mind-expanding friends. Hmm. Also you, Joe. Uh, you love that I have <laughs> mind-expanding friends? No. I also like having you as a friend. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. In addition <laughs> You're not going to my- get mind-expanding from me. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's to- must be on other grounds. Totally, totally false. I, I would not call myself a monarchist. No, I mean, my inclination is to do away with the whole thing. But, but you know... You know, there are, I don't know, some of the, eh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic to pursue another day. What, what another might, day. What might the values of monarchism be in our degraded state? But um, A lack of expertise has never stopped us, but <clears throat> no. um, certainly I, I've never even been to England. Or Is the, that true? No, I haven't, I haven't oh, ever heavens. been. I know, I would love to go. I've never been. I've been to Ireland very briefly, but never, never to England. You've been to uh, a number of Commonwealth countries have you not you've been to australia you've yeah been to, you've been to new zealand no never been to new zealand i would uh, love to go it's the place i want to go okay well not not quite most but almost most uh, like if there's a position i'll go i'll go there right now to okay. live forever yeah. what are you talking to me for i i don't know i mean maybe this is my maybe this is my interview all right boy i'm botching it <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know all right so uh, do you want to get to the topics yes so I, again i thought we would talk about exams First, I feel like we've talked about this, you know, a long time ago. But if we what about that road, that's a very big topic. Well, what's it like to write them? What's it like to take them? I mean, what are your thoughts this exam period? We, okay, we're not what's the exa- next topic? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just I want to hear them first. Well, because um, I don't know how committed I am to this, the exam conversation. <laughs> there was this uh, uh, post on the um, tax prof blog, mm. um, which was basically reproducing this letter from right. a. Recently departed, um, retiring. I think not departed. He didn't die. He's leaving University of San Francisco Law School. He's departed the University of San Francisco Law School. Right. So he's recently departed from his position. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Recently departed from his position. It's a phrase you know, and therefore it is foolish of you to act as if you don't know that people use the phrase "recently departed." To refer to people's deaths. One of my favorite recent shows is The Leftovers. And there, departed means that you they disappeared mysteriously. So well, I have no that that's what I think, you know. But so I immediately caught myself because I'm like, no, he didn't that he wasn't like there was no rapture type phenomenon. 
um, <laughs> that we're aware of. That we're aware of in San Francisco recently. Uh, but but he had a. It was a long. I would call it a stem winder of a. Really was a, of a post, and I, I thought we could talk about that. Yes, and our, one of our favorite people in the world, Derek Muller, has a post on. Again, I feel like we've talked about this in in the past. You know, the mm. the law review, the, the, not law review, the law marketing, law school marketing <laughs> to law professors, commonly right. known as law porn. This is the right. You which, know, the postcards, is, the, the, the newsletters, the email newsletters, the physical catalogs, all the right. stuff that ends up in our mailboxes that we immediately pitch into the recycling bin. And it's directed most intensely toward the most recently tenured member of a law faculty because those people are, I think, as a matter of routine, recipients of the annual U.S. News and Law Review ranking questionnaire. Except for me. Never got one. Okay. Never got one. They, they, they Groovy. I think they skipped over me. Maybe I... Should I take it personally? If there was more than one person tenured the year that you received tenure, maybe that person received it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they heard our Heart of Darkness episode maybe. about U.S. News where mm-hmm. we trashed it, basically. <laughs> we... Well, those are interesting things. So I, I think we start with exams because we've just written exams. And I, all I want to say is that it gets harder and harder every year to write exams. I, I, when I first started, I, I did what kind of, I wrote the kind of law school exams that I had in law school, Mm. which were, you know, two, usually two essays where there's a fact pattern, which is a page or page and a half long that describes something. And I try to make mine with some amount of verisimilitude, right? Mm -hmm. Where, um, because I remember I had at least one exam in law school where, you know, basically every issue was just kind of bolted on. So there, there was this like you know, um, Frankenstein contraption of a fact pattern where, mm. you know, where it was clear, like it was like a, th- so many issues in it that it was like, um, uh, you, you know, the kind of Easter egg hunts I hated as a kid were the ones that they would just put them all out into a field and you could just see all of the eggs. Mm. I'm, th- I'm like, that's no Easter egg hunt. I don't right. even think they call it that, you know, and you just, and it was just a race, it was just a race. And maybe they even call it an Easter egg race. Mm. Um, but there are some exams which are more like that. And the more of those you pick up, the better. So, so I, I, I didn't like that. But most of the exams I had in law school were, were of this type. And so I started my career writing essays of this type, trying to, you know, have create enough hooks for people to talk about where I could see competency, but I could also see excellence and, you know, what you try to do with these things. Yep. And then at some point... Uh, Maybe five years ago, I don't know, halfway through my career, I shifted in my like 1L property class to having a number of short answer problems. Yep. Usually like six or five and they can pick four, they can pick five or four to answer and then one essay under the theory that there were some students who are tripped up by, because an essay is like a bunch of short answers or you also have to identify the question, (laughs) Right. Right. And so I, I wanted to kind of have at least some questions where I could put them on rails and say, here's something I want you to think about and I want you right. to tell me about this thing. And the, uh, that big essay with a, with a two-page fact pattern often called an issue spotter for the reason that you just stated, which mm-hmm. is that you have to both identify the, the issue to talk about and then talk about it as right. opposed to having f- shorter, more focused questions that, that – away with this particular doctrine in this area of the law and adapted something, some other doctrine that we learned, how would that solve the problem? Would the justifications be the same? Would they, would they not be the same? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Um, you know, like... And you have found this to be harder. I found it to test a 
Um, you found it. You, you said that you have found it harder. Well, I I found it harder to write exams in general over the over the period, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, there are only so many ideas you have that can be related to, in this case, property. Right? Okay. How many how many different stories can I tell? Right. That test many of the same things. How many different ways can can I? get the students to think about what's really going on. When, when you ask something like, you know, what if we adapted this particular set of black letter rules to solve this problem? What you're really asking is what's really going on in these two areas? Like yeah. what, how are they connected at a fundamental and, and level talk or about not connected? That. Yes. And talk about that. And what you, you know, and, and it's kind of sets out, like if you were arguing in a state Supreme court about whether this rule is working, like they're going to ask you for some other standard. Right. In fact, in my property class, we close with uh, – not quite close, but pretty close. We, at the end, we talk about Kilo against City of New London, and we oh, listen yeah. to the oral argument in that, oh. in that case. Because in the oral argument, you hear the justices very directly searching for a standard that will work, right? So it's a standard to evaluate when a city can exercise its power of eminent domain. Yeah, right? when it's for a public purpose. Yeah, and, well, and what, what counts as a public purpose, right. right? It's transferring from A to B because B is richer. Is that a public purpose because B will pay more taxes? Well, it kind of is, but it also seems kind of not, right? So right. how do you deal with this kind of problem? I'm not going to go into the doctrine right now, but but the whole argument involves the members of the court testing out different ideas. Well, would this work? Would that work? Because right. they don't want to write down something stupid that which, won't work in the long run. Which is how a lot of their arguments sound. Right. If you listen to a bunch of them, you'll hear that again and again and again. Yeah. But you don't always get that in the first year because too often you get kind of the finished product. Right. Some states do this. Some states do that. Maybe as much in terms of the diversity as you get. But you don't always hear what it's like in real time to be confronted with litigants urging you to adopt a different kind of standard mm-hmm. or to or to adopt a standard that will govern cases that really haven't come up in the same way. Uh-huh. And that's a process of thinking about, well, what bits of law do we have already? Like what's – what, what is the doctrine now? How could it be adapted? Do we just need to interpret it differently? Do we need – is there something that works over here in this other area that would work better there? Yeah. So you're really thinking about like managing the law rather than just living under it. Mm. And I think that is a kind of – it's almost like a graduation for first-year law students to think of themselves as kind of – as managing this enterprise of social right. control. In and in way, that right? sense, helping design it. Help, yeah, it's really about designing, which I – you know – I've always told them that they are learning to be lawmakers. Like, yeah. like even a private attorney who is doing nothing but arguing to a judge, right? I say doing nothing but, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it looks the, the least like lawmaking of like legislators and judges, but in fact, it is a participation in the process of making the law, right? That's right. the way we make the laws with private right. attorneys and government and it's attorneys a, it's and it's judges. It's all just the technology of social life, so. Right. You're helping use and therefore helping change that technology. That was the unofficial in the using of it subtitle of our show. Okay. The the uh, why what, can't it be the official subtitle? Because it didn't work. Like the graphic design didn't work. Oh, okay. It just needed to be oral argument because yeah. we had this little thing under it and it was like too much. Yeah, I got it. I, I hear you. So, I, I guess what I'm saying is that. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like my creative juices have run dry in in this. Like, I got a, a lot of other ideas, but in terms of, like, property exams, mm. you know, I don't know. Yeah. But I managed it again. I asked a question about Mars this time. Mars the planet? Yes. Oh, okay. I think the first line in my essay was, it is the future. <laughs> so you have to tell it. You have to say yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, so I think the first line of the exam was, it is the future. That's 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 not the thing you have to say. Audience, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. 
a, a little bit. And the, and the recording law dropped something very funny, the beginning of a very funny. Well, okay, so I'll go. Tell you a funny story. story. Right. But you have to tell me the funny story because I need to say the things I want to say about the funny story. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Gosh, all right, darn right, it. Right. So you know. So anyway, it's a, it, it was a it was a question about like you know um, coloni- colonizing Mars and and you're saying con- the question contracts, this time. yeah contracts related there too and how it established a little private governance but it was in for- anyway it was in uh, it was interesting I think yeah. it was fun it do you took know forever how, to come up with though do you know how strange it is I almost asked a question about an invention on the International Space Station. This time, did you really? That is very odd to me that we both did kind of an outer, an, an off planet. Really, I didn't do it at all, because but I thought about doing it. I don't think it's odd. I mean, most of the universe is not on the Earth, so yeah, it's a fair point. The chances we would both ask Earth questions are low. <laughs> Wait a minute, we both live here, though. <laughs> oh, that's true. There's and we're t- and the, uh, we teach you know law true. in the United States, and yeah. so there's a fairly there's kind of an endogenous sort of an obvious there. relevance of Earth <laughs> of Earth law, and in fact U.S. law. So in particular. what what I was saying though is that for for years there was this rumor apparently around the law school, which you learned th- recently, which the students told me. Like, uh, yeah, do you I think it was? Do you think they were being how... honest about the rumors? Yeah, yeah, existence? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, and what was the rumor? The rumor was that I had written. I had. You know what's even crazier about this rumor? There are many things that are crazy about it, which everyone you know will know as soon as you say it. The students, like, I, get, I make available to them all of my old exams right, every year. Right. They, they can see them all. And well, I like, encourage them so to like work the, them with like model the, answers. Like the juiciest stories uh, about faculty that law students have told time out of mind, because this happens at every law school all the time. Okay. Um, it, 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 is, it, it not only doesn't have a good basis in reality, it flies right in reality's <laughs> teeth, right? Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. It's totally inconsistent with the facts on the ground. So the story was that I had written an exam, I had administered an exam, given an exam, where there was only one question, and it was four words. Who owns the moon? Yeah, which, is, <laughs> which I love. I love the story. I wish story. I had captured your, your original reaction was better. I love the story. Here's why. Okay. There are many reasons why. Here are a few reasons why. As I just said, like students talk about law professors, twas ever thus, right? They just have these funny stories they tell each other that are kind of fanciful. And this one is really around the bend. And I love right. that, that they're they're chatting about you and imagining this amazing thing. But the second oh, I don't thing, think it's amazing. I think it would I would be a horrible person. If yeah, I the second thing. Well, that's the second thing I really like about it is how is how it is both deeply right and deeply wrong about you. <laughs> At the same like, time, the deeply right part is it is kind of whoa, like that is very conceptual <laughs> and and well, really it's... funky. But the part that it gets very wrong about you is that it's quite mean. Like it's quite a cruel exam right to give a oh, yeah, to I give mean, an exam for a whole semester where there's a four word question and it's a question that goofy right they, yeah it's it would be it, it, it would be, be crazy horrifying. cruel and i mean like it would be which you would never do and they know you would never do that i, I hope so well apparently not no but no but the, this is what's so great it's a <laughs> this story is paradoxically great but see well i as it captures both, kind of. it's like deeply true and deeply false to at the, the same time. To the extent that they I don't think that. that I'm a horrible person and they think I asked that question, it concerns me because it means that they think that someone could ask such a question and not be a horrible person. Yeah. it's a, They're not focusing on the mean part of it, though. They're focusing right. on the part of it that's like, whoa, that's really trippy. Like yeah, It's the, based like, – like, like a lot of great conspiracy theories – it has this like germ of truth around which you can right. build things, and and the germ of truth here, and I won't talk about my, you know, you know my character or anything, but but it is I did write my in fact my very first exam, 
was a question about ownership of resources on the moon, but it was a long fact pattern. And it was like right. where – so and I was testing like, you know, how would you apply kind of the Johnson against Macintosh thing and, you know, the, the sovereignty and property ownership and then first possession and tragedy of the commons. So yeah. it, it was this idea that like, you know, private, um, private uh, space exploration had taken off and there were people who were interested in, in mineral resources on the moon and uh, and they claimed their uh, rights – from some governmental statute, which I I forget exactly how I did it. But there were also these private companies which were offering basically rental time on these little rovers. So you could like take time on a rover and explore your little patch of the moon (laughs) and and see like not quite in real time, but, you know, the delay of however long the, you know, is it like a a light second or few between uh, us and the moon? There are some, uh, there are some, um, there are some federal statutes that yeah, that, there are, I, I told that are arguably pertinent. There was also and this international treaty. convention yeah. about the law of outer space. Yeah, so it's kind of like there is actually lawyers have actually thought about law in space, and they are increasingly as it seems to be getting you know launch costs are basically launch costs are going down. Yeah, due not only to Elon Musk and SpaceX, but right. but. A large part, right? Um, no, I think it did. Did the recording catch the, or have I already just said the, the fact that I was thinking about a space question too? Uh, I think I think it did catch that. Or did we miss that? No, we we just talked about we just that. Talked about, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, increasingly, as we do Health Corner, we'll also just repeat the same. Not not between episodes, <laughs> but in the same episode, <laughs> minutes later. Minutes later. Yes, it's a. We're going to change the name of the podcast to Memento. <laughs> Uh, and, and then we're just going to run the tape backwards. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Um, so are, are those all of the things that you love about the story? Those are the, those are the main things I love about it. Uh, so you like the, like, wow, man part of it. Yeah. It has a very trippy <laughs> quality, that, and that's why they're drawn to it. That's what that's – what, uh, that the, for, for them, that's, I think, what's truthy about it. Right. For you. Yeah, like the and they're not, and they're not getting the the ferocious cruelty, the, of the cruelty question. of it. Yeah. yeah, they're not getting that part of it. I would I would just never do that. No. So anyway, um, but meanwhile, to, you know, well, I don't even want to speculate about. It. They're probably. Uh, I'm not going to say it. What? Say it. No, it's it. just the, like. <laughs> I, with it. I, I also like the fact that the thing that they're sort of chattering about with you and the gossiping about with you is like. Something very cerebral. It's a question on an exam, right? It's not. They're not about other things. Well, so let's knows? just let's who, just move along. Who knows what else they're ta- chattering about? This it, is that's this my is point. part of like being a law professor. Um, it, maybe more so. Like I don't remember when I taught math, um, both as a TA and as the instructor. Right? Like I would just you know I, I would teach in shorts and t-shirt. You know, it was, it was Texas. It was hot. Right. Yeah. So you know it wasn't. And I didn't get the sense like they had a bunch of other classes. <laughs> like they're not like focused on me. Like it was yeah. clear that they were not like super. I think they liked right. the class. I had good rapport with them. But like I was not like a performer or a center of attention or anything. Something happens in law school where, the, and I try to work against that because I yeah. actually think it's bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm just another person who has more experience with this than was they it do. True? Was it true? But in, that's it. Was it true when you were a law student that your classmates would? You, you did you observe this in your classmates in law school? I observed it in my classmates in law school. There was a kind of obsession with the professors. I mean, it, it was a healthy obsession. It wasn't really an obsession. Obsession's the wrong word, but like you know, if something you know, I, I don't know, characteristics people would notice, not in a mean way, but right. like, but more than just another teacher. Yeah, like you know, it, it's it's there's something that that it, it's partly you know maybe the inward focus of a law school group, yeah. a law school class. 
right? See, it's funny because it wasn't that way for, for me in psychology grad school. Yeah. It wasn't that way. It was that way a little bit in college. Oh, well, you went to St. John's. Yeah, and, and I a, think it's the it's that focus point that you just mentioned. The intensity of the discussion, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe that's it. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, maybe it's a little bit of like a fear factor and a pulling together of a group mm. in response to that, which, I, again, I think is bad. And I, yeah. uh, I try to dissipate that. But, right. you know. So like, what was the more generalizable? I don't know how many times I've taught class with my fly down. I hope not. But, like, that's the kind of thing. Like, they actually, I have another story. I did get all the way to uh, um, when I was teaching at Fordham as a VAP. Yeah. Um, and I was commuting from New Haven where my family was and made it all the way from New Haven, was on the, um, was, was on the subway, you know, between, um, uh, between Grand Central and, 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 and uh, what's the name of the place? <laughs> um, you know, uh, Lincoln Center. You know, you have to cross over and do the thing. I was on the last l- leg of the subway. And this kind woman says that my fly is down <laughs> otherwise i would have taught i would have gone to i would have taught like i i don't know i don't know i don't know if it inched down on its own you know how that can happen right well, of it course can happen. I, I don't check it all the time right i'm not obsessed with this but but that's exactly the kind of thing that like i feel like if i were still teaching math like people either they would say we're lucky even wore pants that's the kind of thing <laughs> they might think about <laughs> as a mathematician but like you know but as a law professor like i think that would people would remember that yep I think, I think it, you're right. You know what I mean? I and, do. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, so this kind of bleeds over to the next topic, though. But do you, what, what were you going to say? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Other than the, I did mean to, but but I I, I wish I hadn't. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't uh, share your experience with exams getting harder to write. I used to find them hard to write. I still find them hard to write. Uh, like you. I have moved over time to uh, shorter, more focused questions, mm-hmm. more of them and shorter of them to make sure that I'm covering the range of things that I want to cover. And I have found that those exams can be plenty challenging, can allow students to show that they have worked hard and challenged themselves to think Right about the class and its and its subject matter and and try to engage deeply with the materials. It you don't need to have a two page traditional issue spotter to do that. Um, and I think I, I have it's in my experience that the I I feel more confident that the grading is uh, doing the best job of capturing that full range of what they've done when it is broken up into these smaller pieces with, with smaller, more focused questions. Yeah. I, there's a certain, hmm, you know, uh, so many of the topics that we talk about in legal academia are beset by the underlying uncertainty about what it is we're trying to do. Yes. And this is not different from that, which is why I think, you know, having many different people looking for looking at things in many different ways is good. Although, as I tell the students, I, you know, the basic thing that separates, I think, good answers from bad answers. Excellent answers is a slightly different thing, but good answers from bad answers is, are you able to identify a legal issue? Like, are you able to identify a legal question, set up a standard, and then apply that standard to the facts? Like, can you say, you know, 
here an issue arises about whether the standard is met. You know, here it is, comma, because, blah, 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 and maybe compare it to other cases to show why that's something else. But that basic mechanic of giving reasons, right? right I think although students like, you know, our students are always asking, you know, what are you looking for? What is this person looking for? What is that person looking for? And indeed, like different teachers grade differently. Yeah. But if you can master that basic mechanic of giving, of identifying a legal standard that may govern conduct and giving reasons why it, the facts either do not meet it or, or meet it. Right. I think that's like, that's a good answer. Like that's at least at our law school, I think that separates good and bad answers. Yeah. And the, because, and then engaging with the facts takes it, takes advantage of the fact that most of our colleagues and, and I would put myself in this group as well. And I suspect the same is true of you. Most of us are writing questions that have facts that, that allow you to explore the contours of a standard. Yeah. Like the facts are actually designed to help you do that, to, to put, to give you an opportunity yeah. to tell, to talk about not just what the standard is, but why it is what it is. And in using it and, and applying it to the facts that we create in the, in the question, you're, you're really showing that you kind of get some of the depth of the standard. Right. Like the whole thing is set up to do that. So that you can – For the most part. Yeah. Can, would you be able to take this law and litigate the next case that isn't exactly like the other right. cases, right? right? I mean it's – yeah. I, I, so – In addition to the, the – uh, I, I certainly use some questions to simply make sure that – They know. So, some of the most basic things yeah. are, are, have been uh, learned. Right. Because if they haven't been, that is itself a problem That's that what, I want to try to identify. Of, it's a range of things. I, I had one question years ago about um, – which kind of mirrored the facts of this, you, you know, this gorilla film that was filmed in, in, in Disney World, right? Where I think it was called Escape from Tomorrowland or something like that. Oh, I did hear about yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. They, they filmed it as though they were tourists and they actually were, were making a film, right? Right. And so they, I, I made a question about like whether, you know, whether they were trespassers, mm. right? You know, which has to do with whether there was a consent and whether it was fraudulent and, you know, so these kinds of things. And and then also they were, you know, filming some Disney IP, but was it a fair use and was it this and what? So it was a mixture of all of these things. But I also somehow I – and then I had a statute that applied and they had to think about how that new statute would affect the case mm. and, um, and uh, you know, whether – I think it even involved a kind of a taking claim about whether you, whether you could reallocate the rights to film your place to a, another party who came in because I think it guaranteed access to people who are doing creative works or something like that. I don't remember exactly the details, but I do remember I kind of ginned up this idea of whether there's a kind of uncertainty in trespass law and consent that I mean, usually the stuff at the end of an of an essay question or at the end of a short answer, which says specifically, I want you to the client right. ask you about this or yeah, I, yeah, wants yeah. an objective view of the facts or wants the, your best right. argument. For. How would you how would you do this in light of that? Yeah. Right. Where it's kind of gets you. It's the part where you're trying to get people to focus. It's the decretal language of the ah, essay question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just think there's a lot going the we I sounds like you. Uh, in fact, every one of our colleagues that I know that it takes real care in crafting that. Yeah. Like the, we're choosing words advisedly when we're writing those things, and I don't know that it's. Um, I don't know that students have a full appreciation for that. I, I don't think I did as a law student have I've a full appreciation yeah. for that. Well, I do tell them all. I say, make sure that you answer the question. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Fulsomely, right? You have to think broadly, and and right. You know, and sometimes I'll set it up where a client is asking a question, and and even then I will say. 
be aware that, you know, just because the client is asking these questions doesn't mean that that's exactly what, you know, you may have other answers you want to give the client other than what the client is asking about. The client oh, yeah, that's a slightly ask, different right? point. I, I actually would, would think that the bigger danger is is actually that, that I don't, if, if you've been asked about X, you really should spend your time answering X and right. not Y or Z, the other things that you right. think might be interesting and fun, but I really haven't asked about. Right. Um, so on a short answer, I'm very focused on specific questions. On the essay, I will also ask questions, but I'll try to make them a little bit more open-ended. So, it would be, so it, I have asked questions before where the, the client comes in and says, how do I sue them for this? Or can I sue them for that? Or I think this, and they're usually mixing up some legal issues. Mm. And, the, and the, the call might be something more like, how would you counsel the client, you know, being, you know, being aware that the client's legal knowledge is not like yours or whatever. Or so, you know, I'll do something which indicates that what you want to do is, is I want to hear your best objective analysis of the situation, the client's potential whatever. Right. Uh, but not just I, taking for granted that they're asking it in a way that's right. sensible. But I'm also asking you a little bit about judgment. Yeah. Right. About how you how you do these things. So do you so want to talk about the USF thing? Are, are we done with this topic? I think we are. You know, I have to say, too, because, you know, turning from exam writing to grading, I always feel like I, 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 grading, you know, professors complain about grading, and, and I certainly don't think it's fun. I think it's the worst part of the job. I, I would rather take the exams than grade them, having been on both sides of it, um, although it's been a number of years now, so <laughs> that gets less and less convincing a, right. a statement as, 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 as time goes on. Um, but I can't convey enough how much I root for every exam. You know, when when you crack open a new one and you start to read and and you see the wheels turning, you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, and and when they don't get there, I do feel a little crestfallen. I'm like, oh, so close, you know. And then when they do a good job, it feels really good. I, I don't, I don't know this, you know, the image people have of like the red ink and mm. and professors taking pleasure in in writing hard exams so they can mark students down. I, oh, I, I don't really, know any. I don't know anyone. I don't really, but I think there's that, that description. image out there, right? And, and I guess I just think it doesn't bear any relationship to any reality with which I'm familiar. Doesn't it feel great to get a good exam? It does. It feels super. The reason, one very practical reason why exams need to be quite challenging is because if they weren't, if they were quite, quite easy, um, it, they would fail of their essential purpose in most contexts. In most of the contexts, speaking pragmatically, okay. in most of the contexts that that we're that we find ourselves in, uh, most law schools for for many classes, especially the larger ones, the grade the grades have to be given under a curve. That's true in many law schools, not all, but many. Uh, one might even say most. Uh, and if the exam is very easy. Uh, everyone's going to perform very well. Right. And that's a problem uh, because then in trying to apply the framework and structure that's been prescribed, uh, there's a pretty big disconnect mm -hmm. between what you're required to do under the institutional framework that's been set up and what the student's performance is as a group on this exam. So you've sort of set up a collision that, that is entirely avoidable. It's avoidable by not making the exam too easy. Right. Right. You, you have to create a situation where there will be a range of performance because the curve is predicated on a range of performance. So if you have to apply one, you have to do, you have to create the circumstances where it would be a sensible thing to do. Yeah, but not so hard that it's random. 
Yeah, the, and that's the problem, right? That there, it would be random on either end, right? Of that, if it were too hard or too easy, right? Um, uh, you would have a collapse, right? It's just two different directions of collapse. I, I'm trying right. to remember the class I had in college where the where an A was like thirty percent or forty percent or some ridiculously low, yeah, percentage. And it may have even been a multiple choice or something. It was low enough where I was thinking, this is like total randomville, right? Like, yeah, again, like, it can get too hard, right? Yeah. Yeah, because then it's everyone's circuits are just shorting out. Yeah, I can't. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then you're testing people's res- re- resilience to anxiety as much as anything else. That's no good. So wh- why, don't you, why don't you gin up and introduce us to this stem winder of a, of a resignation letter? Oh, really? Letter. It, was, it was not a resignation letter. It was a letter after... It was kind of a – that's why I called it a departure letter. It's a, it's, a, it's a letter that was sent on his way out the door saying, you know, this has been a real joy of my life to teach here. But let me tell, let me tell you people a few things. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it was very lengthy uh, because this person obviously had a lot on their mind, a lot to say uh, from many years of experience uh, teaching at uh, USF. And it, it – the the person I think I think the person was a legal writing professor. Oh, was it clinical? It was legal writing. Uh, yeah, I think no, so. Yeah. But, but it might have been some other clinical site. Maybe the person had done both. Right. Um, and so so because the letter is so lengthy, it addresses a lot of different things. Some of it ha- seemed to be about the particular people involved in this workplace and attitudes they might have expressed mm-hmm. and some hurt feelings about some of those attitudes, it sounded like to me. Um, uh, others were – other issues were more sort of systemic about law schools in general, things like the way in which legal writing faculty and clinical faculty and doctrinal faculty, however you want to refer to those. Some people call them casebook faculty, whatever, right? Really? Um, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I've never heard casebook faculty yeah. before. Um, the, the, the sort of – the way that, the, that different faculties can become less focused together, a little more balkanized or more focused together and more f- fully integrated with each other, some of it seemed to be coming from that. But there's a major thrust of the letter. What's the top – the headline of the letter is doctrinal faculty – well, do you want to – go ahead. Well, I, and I don't know whether so, – so the reason I laid out that there are some things that seem to be specific to the, that particular institution and some things that seem to be yeah, more I'm systemic. Right there, I'm right there with you. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that the thing that you're about to say was the main thrust, and I think I know how you're going to describe it um, – it, I don't know which one of those it is. Well, I don't know whether it's unique to this group of folks in this person's mind or whether it's a more general – there are moments when it seems like it's being addressed to in a more systemic fashion, yeah, right? right. Um, and, and in those moments, the harshest elements of the, um, the sort of the elitism charge, as you might describe it, right. um, when it was being that most general, it was when it seemed to me to be the least convincing. Actually, in terms of my experience, Be- because so so the thrust of the of the letter is that the doctrinal faculty think that they are better than everyone, um, smarter than everyone, including the students, right? And they have a kind of disdain for what they perceive as the stupidity of the students, and uh, that they are really looking out for their own reputations, and all of them think they should be at a better school. And would leave in a heartbeat, so they have no loyalty, and, and, that, and, and that makes them terrible teachers. And they misrepresent the legal enterprise, which uh, the writer says is actually very easy and and in some ways mundane, but necessary and interesting, but <laughs> but mundane and and could be easily taught. 
but the, the people who think too much of themselves make it too complicated. Now, okay, so that, is that in general? And then there's there's a whole like class and, and right. issue too, right? About how he's very proud that that USF has become increasingly a school for people, you know, first generation college mm-hmm. in the family, uh, or, or people who haven't had great means and. And, so, and, th- and in a yeah. way, those are some of the most powerful passages in the letter to, in, for, for me as a reader when, when he was talking about how, how the people who he was addressing, which seemed to be doctrinal faculty, could – like if they could imagine better how it would feel to be in this what, – what these students experience as a, right. as a more alien environment and that to try to get into that creative – Imagining in yourself in a different situation, right? right? Um, and and what that what the benefit that that could provide, and the and the sort of the the moral gravity of needing to do that, yeah. So that you can be a better teacher for your students, like those were so, to me were some of the most important. So I think there is some wisdom passages. Yeah, there is some wisdom in the letter. Um, it's a lot it, of pain in the letter. There's yeah. a lot of wisdom in the letter. Well, well you know that like. I really do think that there are a lot of senses in which law is not that hard. Yeah, the, I do know that. This basic mechanic, the one we were just talking about, can be taught very directly, uh-huh. right? And and part of that is like curricular design. Like like maybe we should be thinking about teaching this kind of thing directly mm-hmm. instead of elliptically. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like I've been around long enough to know that a lot of people like think of these things very differently. And I'm much less, um, hopefully for the better, like – I'm less convinced than I was when I started that I really know what's going on, <laughs> right? Right. And, and that, um, and that I certainly don't think I have a monopoly on on the truth here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that said, I, I w- w- he talks about the way that you know that it's basically not good for students to feel afraid in class, right? It's not good for them to feel like they can't do it, especially the students who are minorities or first generation people who are particularly prone to that sort of thing whereas privileged students in one of the passages he describes always saying i know i can do this i just need to redouble my efforts whereas kids who are trying this for they don't have models who've been through things like this before say i don't know if i can do this and that was that was one of the poignant parts uh, that you were referring to that stuck out to to me um but this idea this anxiety the creation of anxiety in the classroom i also like for, for me and i don't know how everybody else thinks about this but for me it seems so counterproductive. I do everything that I can other than make the material simpler than I think it really is. Right. To help the students feel at ease. Like, you can do this. This is yeah. this is not that hard. We're, it's a bunch of easy things put together. We're going right. to talk about them. And, and you know, but it's also a how and not a what. And so it's just going to take some experience to yep. get better at doing this. Yep. So I'm right there with him on that. I, I, I wrote yeah. some blog posts about law is not that hard. Trying yeah. to see it from a, you know trying to see, see it from a different vantage point in, in a way that, that demystifies at least part of what it means uh, to, do, to do law. So and, I'm sympathetic I, with that aspect of it. Yeah. I, and I would, I would say, I mean, I do think saying it's not hard. It, so I, what I he's think, saying is not hard is, is, is what a student needs to do in order to perform at a level that would satisfy, you know, getting a B or an A on an exam. Like that, that the kinds of things that we test for and the kinds of things they need to do to practice in the kind of jobs that they might get are actually like picking up those thinking skills is not as difficult as the professors make it seem. It may be hard, but it's not like that hard. Professors make it seem harder in order to make themselves yeah, seem smarter. Again, I, like I don't know whether they're making it seem harder or not, um, these individuals or even people in general. I know I'm not trying to do that. It sounds like you're not trying to do that. Um, I think it can be hard. 
sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not hard. I don't, the way I would say it is, I don't think anything about it, any of the things about it that make it hard are mysterious. Or out of the grasp of any of our students. Oh, absolutely not. Right. right. It's entirely within their grasp. Right. It's entirely not a mystery. Um, it, it, it can be more or less challenging depending on the particular topic involved in your own experience in life and the degree to which you can apply yourself. And the degree to which the, the professor is speaking a language that speaks to you in that particular topic area. I mean, right. people, so, you know. So, but, it, but none of it is a mystery. And it's certainly not anything that like there's some superior group that has superior native intelligence and it is only for them that this material is accessible. That's a lot of bunk. And and you can feel that when you think that the person teaching you is way, way, way smarter than you are, right? Yeah, but as he points out, it's it's simply that they're much more experienced than yes. you are. Yes, but all, it's also the quiz master effect, so, which I think Quite the Socratic true. method is like where, where all, if all you do is ask questions, right. right, and you never reverse it and go the other way, then, you know, it's a principle of psychology. I don't, I don't know if this is one of the ones that has, <laughs> that's been falsified, you know, the whole psychology, mm. again, but, but the quiz master effect, right, is this effect that people evaluate the, the, the person asking questions in a quiz as smarter than the people answering questions. Yeah, and it's a version of the attribution error, right, that, yeah. that you, you... Is it? I think it is. Ultimately, you can think of it as a version of the fundamental attribution error. Okay. That when you're attributing things to personality versus circumstance. Right. And the, and the attribution oh, yeah. of the questioner's in intelligence is to their personality in, right. a, in a way that's, that overlooks the fact that they're the ones who get to choose the questions. Like it's so, and um, also, they're ask, yeah, they're asking them. I mean, they're not having – yeah. So the, a professor who just asks questions and has had a chance to prepare, you right. know, well, anyway. So there, there's a lot of – truth to this. What I really found, well, I found some parts sad and some parts troublesome. Yeah. The parts that I found sad are, I don't, I have no idea what USF is like. It may be a wonderful faculty and, and he could have been a discontent who just for whatever reason didn't get in the, or it could have been, he could be part of a group which is doing great. Like he sounds like he had a great career in other parts of the, so yeah. I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know anybody from there. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what the environment is like, and I'm not going to make any judgments on the basis of this, of this letter. I think that would be unfair as well. Yeah. Right. Um, but he, the way he describes it is like it's like living with a spouse or a family for like 30 years and and never having talked about the important things, mm. not being fulfilled, and 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 thinking the worst about each other. So that's the part which is kind of sad. Yeah. The part which I really objected to, though is the degree and so I object to it but again I'm not there maybe he has such ample evidence that this conclusion is warranted although what I'm about to say is that it should almost never be warranted mm. and that's to believe that you fully grasp someone's mind and can make a judgment about that mind which is very negative meaning that right. I understand I know not only what you're doing I know why you're doing it and you're doing it for these horrible reasons and therefore you're a horrible person now he doesn't say it quite as starkly as that but he but doesn't say nearly. it quite as starkly, but it's, he come he <laughs> he gets right up to the edge of saying some of it that starkly, and it really was. I agree with you. It is There's only bit, one person in the United States who I would say is a total garbage person. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who it is. Uh, I, I I I agree. I found that. Th- I bet you and I would point to some similar passages if if you said like point to me to the most arresting. Yeah. passages in there that had this problem and i agree with you it was a problem uh and it went past sort of sad or painful to 
you like the very condemnatory, very condemning on a, on, as you say, a motive based ground. But revealing a certain like I've tr- looked into yes. your heart and I know there is this terrible thing in there. And that's what's making you do these mean things to these right. other people. There were some passages that read that way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's that that was hard uh, because I just feel like, God, that sounds bad. That sounds like you had some bad. There have been some bad moments. Um, and, yeah, I feel- and we don't know how much of this is. So, I, you know, a faculty is like any other. It's, it's like any other social group, which is small and devoted to an important part of one's life. In that sense, it's kind of like family or kind of like, I don't know, maybe if you were in a church or something, I don't know, but it's a, it's a small fellowship, right? Which Mm -hmm. is devoted to a, to a, not a, not a, not a, not a laser focused mission, right? But a pretty focused mission, right? Like it's a project that you have together, right? Totally. And so I can completely understand. And I would object to people thinking that anybody's better than anybody else on account of either where they went to school or what role they play. I think from, uh, and and not just, not just clinical faculty, but like staff or legal writing instructors, but also staff members who do important things like the whole thing works because everybody's working together and everybody is valuable, but they're doing different jobs. Yes. And, and I, what I couldn't tell from the letter, I, you know, cause you, you, you're not there. It's like, have they tried to talk before about how to work together? Yeah. Have they not? Has it not worked? Have there been affirmative instances of disrespect? I mean, he kind of obliquely refers to some of those. He refers to an elevator yeah. interaction. And, the, and this, I don't know if you've seen this uh, this movie that Albert Brooks did, Defending Your Life. I don't know if you ever saw it. I know this. it, but I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever it. saw it. It's a great remember, movie, but yeah. it's a, the, one of the conceits of this movie, which takes place in the afterlife, is they're watching these clips of their of parts of their life. Right. And maybe you could assemble a set of clips about the particular people involved in particular moments at this place right. where if we all watched them together, we would have some of the same feelings. Maybe we'd have quite different feelings. Oh, boy. But if you assembled a – Hard to clips, know, right? If you assembled an hour clip from my life, you'd probably call for my execution. <laughs> like, I mean, just – our worst moments, you know? Our worst moments are bad. Well, the, yeah. At that's least mine good, are. It's a good point. I mean, you can uh, – so so even if you assembled clips, they're, they're, they're would, in, it, they would always – in. It, um, be fundamentally out of context yeah. in a way, right? And I take that point. It's a good point. But but we're 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 much worse off than just not even having those clips. I mean, we don't have anything, right? We're not there. Right, we're not the right. people involved. Um, we don't even have a partial set of experiences. And to be fair, it was a letter to his dean and to the faculty there. Which has now escaped the right. So, so, so it wasn't really. A, it was addressed to people who would know that. Yes. To be fair, to and him. yet it did tackle some general topics that seemed to be a more uh, and that seemed to urge a more general applicability and to try to address some systemic issues. Right. So it wasn't. It wasn't only like you know, you guys took my sandwiches out of the fridge and on the third floor lounge, and that was you know, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> it wasn't entirely about local matters. Right. Um, it was about helping, which is why con- I think people were helping the to kind of students that he wants to go to USF succeed, and right. he feels like his approach to their to their personhood and to teaching is far superior and also morally preferable to what he understands to be the approach of the doctrinal faculty as, mm-hmm. as he divides them. And I don't even I wouldn't divide it that way necessarily, but but he does, and right. and maybe that's the way they do there, um, and. Uh, the 
I mean, at, at one point he says that uh, one concrete change he would make, I think he says that he would, anyone who went to an Ivy League school, he would find not morally fit to be hired as a professor there. Do you remember that passage? Or, or at least presumptively so. Presumptively so, yeah. yeah. As a, and, and that's just, I mean, I, I, I went to a state school for college and I went to a state school for uh, grad school and then I went to a non-Ivy, but Ivy kind of thing. I went mm-hmm. to Stanford for law school, right? So uh, in an elite law school, right? And, I've I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot in terms of the kind of students who, you know, are there and the different kinds right. of instruction and the different kinds of resources. I certainly saw more rich people at Stanford than I did in my classes at um, at Texas A and M or at South Carolina. Um, uh, but I saw students. I saw all kinds of other students too, right? Um, you know, my parents are public school teachers. I saw um, I saw kids raised by single parents uh, at, at at Stanford, right? And and they're out doing amazing things. And and you know, it's just. You don't know people's lives. And I would like to think – so I don't know. Like if he – if he's just taking these slights um, and there's not a lot of – more depth to it or there is not a bigger story. And there might be. This is why it feels unfair to talk about in a way, right? But, but, you know, you always think that that person who you think doesn't give you the time of day, like who knows what's going on? You know, maybe they lost a parent when they were 12 and they, you know, had to raise one of their siblings or – you know, maybe maybe they worked their way through this Ivy League school in a way right. that was very difficult. Maybe they have a, you know, maybe they really do care about the students in a way that's not perceptible to you, right? And maybe they feel wounded when a student doesn't su- su- uh, doesn't succeed in a way that's not apparent to you. Mm-hmm. I th- th- anyway, that, uh, the only you know, it's a very long email. There's a lot to talk about in terms of like le- the the theory of legal education yeah. and what we should be doing. But what really struck me is is that certainty about knowing others' minds. And it's almost unfair because maybe he does. You know, maybe, you know, 30 years is a long time. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. We, we don't – because we don't know the conversations that may have taken place, you know, you, one can say, gosh, it's very hard to know other people's minds. And that's, a, and that's a great point. On the other hand, or in addition, I wouldn't say on the other hand, in addition, uh, people can sometimes tell you quite directly what they think is on their own minds. Well, and, 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 and you he implies uh, and you, that happened here. And yeah. you ought to be able to take that at least at, at something like face value, right? Yeah. At, at least at least uh, for, for a lot of purposes, right? Um, now, sometimes you could even further observe, well, look, just because someone said this was, a, what was, this was the nature of their mind and their decision-making, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it was true. Like, it, you don't always have access to your own thoughts and decision-making processes to, right. to further complicate matters, right? right. Um, so, There's a lot of evidence that we make up rationales after the fact. For as many an example. Things, many things are emotionally driven, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's complicated, but... We, because we're not there and we don't know the things that he has heard from particular individuals in certain circumstances over time, right, um, it's, it's hard to know. I guess I would hope that uh, if I imagine the sort of harrowing <laughs> uh, statements that might, that might uh, prompt me to say some of the things this person said, mm-hmm. like, whoa, those would be really unpleasant. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, and therefore uh, if, if he did have those experiences, that's, you know, that's, that's really, that's really bad. Here's what I would say though. And, and again, just taking this letter as kind of a cautionary tale without knowing the details, without knowing to what parts of it were justified in that particular setting and which parts weren't right. I would say, take it as a cautionary tale. Don't be that guy. Like don't live your career. 
I mean, he helped a lot of students, and I. You mean don't be don't be which guy? The guy, the kind of people the letter he was writer. complaining about, or no, the letter writer, the, the letter writer. Like, I mean, uh, I I think, um, and don't be don't be don't don't let your don't build it up for three decades and write this letter on your way out, mm. right? Um, Although I understand, see, I hesitate because there are complications. You want to help the individual students, and that's part of your mission. I get right. all that. Like, I'm not right. an idiot. I get I get this stuff. But um, I think faculties work when you assume the best in your colleagues. Now, people will disappoint you, but we disappoint ourselves. Right. I am disappointing many times. Right. And sometimes I say things which probably don't really reflect what I'm thinking, and they may hurt others in ways that I don't intend. And those... Either you're in a situation where those get, you know, those get magnified over time, like in an echo chamber, and pretty soon everyone in the faculty hates, hates each other, or we forgive, we forget, right. you know, like a good marriage, like a, a good marriage involves kind of a lot of just forgetting and letting it go, right? <laughs> and so too does a faculty. Instead of nurturing it a slight, yeah, and, you, know. you just and, and the other, th- and the, but that that doesn't fix the structural issues that he's talking about, right? About dis, like systematic right. disrespect for people based on perceived smartness, right? And a lot of that is based on fear and inadequacy. And so the other thing I would say is, like, don't be afraid, right? Don't, like, you're fine. Just do the best you can with what you have, right? Don't, don't live in fear that, you, that you're not living up to your potential or that you should be better or that, like, you, you in fact are not as smart as everybody thinks you are and you're a fraud. All of these things, right, they feel bad individually, but I think they also drive you to behave in bad ways towards others, mm. right? You got to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to talking with other people on a faculty, just say what you think. Just say what you think in a generous way and in a way that makes clear that, hey, I might be wrong. But based on my perception, here's what I'm thinking. Like, there's no need to engage in, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, infighting or talking behind people's backs about this or that, like, I get it. Faculty politics gets complicated, and 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 there is some truth to the idea that that it's they're vicious because the stakes are low. There is a little bit of truth to that, right? Um, but but also, it's I think it, it's vicious, faculty politics can sometimes be vicious because of this kind of family quality, right? Mm. This, this togetherness for long periods, and right. suddenly everything becomes about something else. And so, a lot of what I, you know, some of what I saw in here. Um, was like, you know, there gets to be a point where no decision is about just that decision and it's about self-worth. Like when everyone is worried about their self-worth, then every decision becomes about validating that self-worth or not. Mm. And that can happen in these, especially in a small group of people who are together for a long time where no one is ever completely secure in their position, right? I mean, there's tenure, but like I don't think people understand how – even tenure is not a kind of like – it's not a security of position that may appeal to a lot of academics who are used to getting A's on everything, right? right. They're used to getting A's and now now you're in this job where you may not get A's all the time. And the, uh, the, the questions and situations can come to feel like they're hopelessly repeating. Yeah. Um, at the same time that they all seem a little bit different and therefore foster a little bit of insecurity. Right. Uh, they can also seem sort of there's a sameness that can creep in. Um, so yeah, it can be fraught. Um, I think, say, I, I agree with you. People should, should say what they think, um, and try to be honest with themselves and with other people. I think it helps when you're doing that to try to focus on the common project. Mm-hmm. 
because um, I think a lot of us have a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. Well, that's true. And m- they vary in importance and they yeah. vary in relevance. <laughs> so <laughs> it can help if you so if you try I, to focus on I the common project. I your friendly amendment to have a, have a high relevance threshold. Like, you know, I, I'm not – I wouldn't go so far as to say – what is this economy of language thing that people talked about? Like say only what is needed, you know, before you speak, think about whether it's helpful and needed or something else. Do you remember you – you've heard of this before? No. Like, anyway, there's this saying about like what it means to be kind and speaking and everything and it has to do with, with this – with these thresholds. But I do agree like especially faculty and – well, on this show, we have – we had to make a whole show so that we could talk more, Joe. <laughs> Like, right. But did, so, we, did we? Did we need to do that? We, was, it, was it needed? Um, uh, so yeah, we could talk endlessly about anything, and so you have to realize that like, everyone's time is valuable. They, yeah, you, know, you have to ask yourself: Do people need to hear my view on this? And and maybe the answer to that is: Well, I've got something to say. It's interesting, but you know, maybe no, maybe not in this setting, and maybe and it's that, fine. Maybe and even that question, it. even that filter is 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 a step past the filter of it being about the common project, yeah. right? Because the answer to the question, does everyone need to hear my view about something that isn't really germane to anything we're doing right now? Well, the answer to that is definitely no, right? <laughs> right, right, um, right. So because, you know, there's the stuff you're doing together and then there are your friendships and personal relationships that, of course, you have with the people you work with because that's v- very much who most of us spend most of our right. time with. Uh, but those are two different things. So, um, but be generous and gentle with each other. Yeah. And, right? try to keep, like, and try to keep the pig out of the parlor. Yeah. Right. Try to put the right things in the right place. Right. And that makes being generous with one another easier. And actually. having respect, like, you know, a legal research and writing instructor or a, or a, a lawyering instructor, or however you have divvied up the faculty into these different positions or divvied up your staff into different positions, like, you know, they need a kind of job security or a feeling of competence, a feeling of meaning, like just like a doctrinal faculty person does. And a doctrinal faculty well, person course. needs that in the same way. Right. And to the extent you think they're looking for it in the wrong place, like they're looking to move up or they're looking to do this or they're taking it out on the students, like maybe you could just talk. Like maybe not True. about that. Maybe you don't directly, like I think you're a horrible person. That's a bad way to start a conversation, <laughs> right? But, but like maybe if you get to know them, you realize that's not really what's going on. Now, I'm not saying this is, has nothing to do with this case because I know nothing about what happened at right. USF. But it does occur to me that like just like law is not that hard, like getting along on a faculty should not be that hard. You know, yeah. people, if people will just have goodwill, like it, it's not a controversial mission. We're trying to teach students how to be good lawyers, how to think about really interesting issues together. It's frustrating to me when I, when I see stuff like this or, you know, even in my own experience at various places, like I see, you know, issues arise that don't need to arise. It's like, why? It doesn't have to be this way. Anyway, but I know that we, you know, we got law profs who listen who are at different places who have been yeah. in different kinds of battle. And they'll say, well, I'll tell you why it has to be that way. Because <laughs> yeah. we, there was one pig in the parlor. And, the, and, I, and I think a lot of people will read this letter. Yeah. Um, because the tax prop blog is a popular resource. And, yeah, it's a good resource. And so I think a lot of people will see it and a lot of people will read it. I think a lot of people will read some of it. Maybe fewer will read all of it because it is very long and there's mm-hmm. a lot going on in there. It's a lot there. Um, uh, and I think it's worth thinking about many of the things that are in there. Um, yeah. So I think it was – I think in that sense it was a benefit, right? It was a, it was a, a provocative uh, – invitation to try to think about some important things uh, 
about the Law School so Contract. So it's Paul Karen. Is that who runs the block? So. Is that I how you pronounce? So. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. I've never heard it pronounced. But, Nor have I. Um, um, seen it in print a lot, but, but no. I think he's the one who runs that. Yeah. So the reason I'm saying that is because people are going to have to Google it. I'm not going to link the letter. Even I, I probably won't have any links in this episode, but I'm not going to link the letter because the letter does mention a few students by name. Um, and does it really? Yeah, and and there was someone on Twitter. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for getting you. Someone I follow on Twitter was mentioning this could be a FERPA violation, but even beyond a FERPA violation, it's like not great to like. Mention. I don't recall seeing that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There were. I wonder at maybe least this, two, maybe three students by name. Maybe with, that with got, this, one of at least one of whom had a very distinctive name. So, oh. um, anyway, I, I feel bad about linking it because um, yeah. I don't want to do anything to point. You know, right, to, right, right. To, to make it part of anyway. No, and I feel bad that I missed that. I, I just didn't. It just sort of went. I, sorry but may, about that. Maybe there was permission to include it. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know if there's permission to include it, like in a widely distributed blog post. I have no idea. So, um, but but I do think it it to the extent that it is distributed widely and gets people thinking about okay, what is our mission? How do how can we work together better? That's all for the good. Yeah. Right. Now that said, I think. <laughs> um, I think every organization, job number one is to keep the psychopaths out of position of power. <laughs> and because, there are, just because it makes – the reason that's job number one is because it makes every job after job number one a lot easier. Oh, right. And um, and it's not like I think we have more of those than in any other walk of life and, and – um, and maybe I'm being too blithe there because, you know, psych, uh, psychopathy is uh, is a particular condition. It's not always what – anyway, so I don't mean to, to bag on any kind of mental health condition. But there are people who have a kind of vengeful streak or, or you know, those kinds of person. Anyway, I'm just saying there's a certain personality type that which is probably no more represented in law than in any other field. Um, but all of those people want to be in positions of power mm. or at least a lot of them. So you got to watch out. Mm. Okay. So that's my one note of caution. Okay. But 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 those kinds of people aside, I think people are of goodwill and want to work together. And you and this is a this is a reminder that hey, this is a a shared non controversial mission about which people can disagree about how best to accomplish it. But like you know, let's all try to row together to the extent that we can. Good point. Um, you know you know one other thing that that reminds me of. Um, of uh, we were talking earlier about or mentioned earlier about how maybe you know m- maybe the world wouldn't be so bad if you didn't speak up about something maybe, you know maybe other people will make that point or maybe it doesn't need to be made um, so you know I haven't been on Facebook mm. I kind of logged in a couple of times just right. to see if people sent me a message or something like that right um, and you know what people seem to be getting along fine without me <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> seem to be any different and it's like. And, if, and maybe you're getting along fine too. Well, I, I think it's another way to appreciate one's own impending death, right? Um, you know, and you, to come to terms with our own, uh, what it means to be significant or insignificant or what meaning is. Like, you know, there's a certain insignificance to each of our lives, right? Mm, there's okay. a certain quality of insignificance right. and there's certain ways in which we are significant to one another. I, I don't mean to make anything, make it a too profound a statement here, but, but if you want to meditate and appreciate uh, that, meditate on and appreciate that fact, just log off of Facebook for about four weeks and then go back on and observe. People are getting along fine. <laughs> the world is not really any different. Okay. I'm just saying. All right. What else, what else you want to talk about? I don't know. Those are two big topics. Was there a third? I think there was a there third. Was, there was. There was another. There's a great um, – but I don't think we're going to talk about it today. Um, 
It's a uh, uh, Caprice Roberts has a mm, paper. Yeah, up. that was a great. It was interesting, right? Yeah, uh, she's at Savannah, mm-hmm. and um, what is it? Uncom- oh, we, we also it was Derek Muller on the Law Prof Marketing, which oh, we didn't really talk about. We didn't. Other than like I re- I throw all that stuff in the trash, recycling, but same yeah. thing, right? Uh, but that, it seems to me that's connected to the larger U.S. news question and about whether, like, it's totally rational that if you're in a position of uh, of power and and you're responsible to others for like the U.S. news ranking of the law school that you would try to do things to affect that ranking or at least you would be perceived as doing things which reasonably could be expected right. to affect the ranking. But the last time we looked at this way back when it was the – was it Cito? Is that his name of who wrote the paper? About, uh-huh. Yeah. Ted Cito, yeah. Um, I think it was him, yeah. It appears not rational to try to influence one's U.S. news ranking. <laughs> and. <laughs> Right. Through through at least the peer assessment score and other things. Yeah. I mean, Derek's uh, it was a a fun post on Prof's blog, right? Yeah. And a fun post. And I enjoyed reading it. He also has a blog, but this one was on Prof's blog. Yeah. And um, and, and Derek is a very he writes with a real elan. So he's just having fun. And it's, uh, you know, making some interesting observations, which I all of which I found to be quite congenial to my own experience. Right. And and my own thoughts about it. and I do think that the the sort of the predicate of all of this marketing stuff is that uh, the peer score uh, in the U.S. News survey uh, is a is in in an important way a function of information, mm-hmm. right? That and so therefore, if you inform people better about what's going on at your institution, you will move that peer assessment because it's a function of information, yeah, right? Yeah, so guess. I just need to provide people information and the, right? That's right. the predicate, yeah, that's it the seems, yeah. of all this right. stuff. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not a program that's been animated by a desire to consume more ink or to pay, you know, the paper manufacturers of America, right? right. Not, that's not the point of it. The point is um, we think that there's – uh, a space for more information, and if we provide more and better information, people will make more and better use of that information. Uh, from um, the internal point of view, from the external point of view, maybe it's a ink and paper manufacturer ploy. <laughs> it's indistinguishable. I don't know. I, yeah, I, but from the yes, that that is the reason for embarking on this program. And so, therefore, it was fun to see Derek kind of say, "Okay, well, you know, what is the kind of information I'm really interested in." And he, and he didn't say he was interested in none of it, although almost that was none my of it. point, yeah. right? So it's sort of like, yeah, if if you can uh, if you can see what some people are writing in a place that you didn't know were there, or when you didn't know they were writing that stuff, or you see that there's been uh, that they've hired a particular person that you think is fun and interesting um, for whatever reason, that could be good to know. And so there are, and and I found myself thinking, yeah, that's kind of the stuff I would want to know too. I mean, that's that that might stick in my head a little. Bit Maybe um, there's a reason that the that the largest recycling bin in the law school is located right next to the mailboxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is. I mean, that's not you weren't making a quip. That is a fact. It is a fact. Uh, and and almost everything that lands in my mailbox goes immediately into the well because most recycling. of it is this sort of law marketing some from stuff. my some from our institution you know it's like our you know I'll, I'll maybe we'll glance at the little newspaper and everything but like yeah. most of that like I'm not going to spend my time right so. Um, but a lot of it is this marketing stuff. Right. From other law schools. Right. Trying to influence um, at the margin uh, and maybe – Like it's like random random law school is telling me who's at their speaker series this year, which is 
I, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. If it were more targeted, like I, and and of course you can target your, yourself. Um, it's so funny because so much of this is like the same conversation about advertising in general. Like, yeah. The the and, and why there's a sense in which the the tailored advertising that comes from surveillance yeah. it is more useful because it is directed to things you. Uh, that that the at, that the person sending the thing to you knows you find more interesting. But there's also right, this, so there's filtering yeah. out a lot of the stuff. That, so so if if and I'll just give you an example. Yeah. So if there were, um, you know, some of this marketing material, and you mentioned speaker series, which sort of reminded me of this. Some of this marketing material is you know about an IP speaker series. Well, you know, I that was pro- that's probably going to be more interesting to me. Would you would you look but, at it? Well, sure, I would look at it and say, oh, because it because I would hear more about what. Like oh that's what that person's writing about these days like that could yeah that's interesting to me I think I, I'll find that out on Twitter okay I mean or, or from the SSRN now this sure, is the one thing f- one thing that SSRN does right that is value added like is, is the emails with is the, is the emails with yeah. the subject areas so right? yeah I find out I find some of it out that way too yeah look I'm not saying but there's this other part of advertising too right with that general your your uh, analogy to general advertising there you know we all think. Advertising doesn't work on me. But it obviously does, or it yeah, wouldn't but be done. I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know how much. It obviously does to a degree, right? It has to have to. It, it, it's just about the, the um, can you justify the expense by the size of the effect? Right. And the effect doesn't have to be that big if the effect is over a few hundred million people. Have you bought some of this stuff off of uh, podcast ads? What do you mean? Like, you know, you know, this typical podcast advertisers um, over the years. Like Great Courses Plus or something like that. That's or... a, a newcomer. I, I feel like back in the day, back in the day of 5 by 5 right? You know, the early, early days uh, with Dan Benjamin and, right. you know, when Merlin, when uh, it was not just Merlin Mann with him, but it was also Gruber and yep. Marco Arment and, and, uh, and he was adding over time. I feel like a lot of these like ads that still occurred. Squarespace got started way back then, right? Yep. On Drobo. Yeah. The backup. And there was that one, there thing. was that, remember he, he used to sell those, um, he used to sell, uh, give ads for those servers, which were submerged in oil. You, you know, how, you know, how you can run servers at a, at a, basically at a higher clock speed and they can generate more heat if you can dissipate that heat. And so there are these like air cooled and water cooled. And there yeah. were these, there was a service which was submerging them in a certain kind of oil. And the way he would say it, he would, he would he would always he would always say like you know it's submerged in oil, and he would he would have a certain like you know how he has such a great radio voice and he's such right. a great speaker, right? Sounds like uh, some kind of high turn like high power transformer thing. Yeah. Those but, things are filled with but oil. But it made me want to subscribe to the service, and I had no 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 need for servers submerged in oil. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of the ones that I bought off of uh, you know like no I, I bought none of those things. Squarespace I've done like I moved uh, I, I registered our domains on Hover instead of uh, on the other ones. Yeah, but that's true. I probably learned about Squarespace and Hover that way, um, or, or or through some other. Maybe it wasn't. A, uh, I don't know that it was a podcast. I, I, but got, maybe I it bought was. some fractures. Um, oh, okay, those, nice. Those, um, as gifts. I, but but have I done Blue Bottle Coffee? I have not. Have I done? Um, you know, uh, uh, we're not getting paid for any of these things, right? Um, so so. I'm sure some of we, it, like I probably know about some things I wouldn't know before. So maybe I would recommend them to somebody else. Like we, maybe, we are a nonprofit podcast, but which I mean unprofitable. <laughs> exactly. It's all expenses. <laughs> um, no revenues. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, these things have an effect. And um, 
at, at some level. I was just trying to address the level of, that I'm consciously aware of in terms of the materials with, what, with which I engage. And if there were a way to filter so that you, you sent some things that were a little more tailored to the pe- person getting them. Right. Uh, that might be more Ooh. useful. I, I do feel it, that instead it's just they uh, focus on the people who send the stuff are focusing on, okay, send, make sure that the most recently tenured person gets it, right? Because they're going to get a ballot. Um, and then you just get all this stuff. I and just it's like, re- bleh. I, the, the readers are the readers. The listeners are probably many steps ahead of me. But I just had an epiphany, Joe. I just had an epiphany. You know how like the same ad on like a web banner or something like that. Like you don't look at it. You're like garbage, whatever. Uh, or or on a TV, on, on a TV program, you don't want to skip through it. Um, but when you hear your favorite podcast host do an ad for Casper mattresses, you're thinking, mm. yeah, maybe, maybe I'll try that out. That sounds yeah. kind of good. You know, it like poofs up all of a sudden. That must be exciting. Right. They, it sounds exciting. L- listen how excited Merlin is about this. And back in the day, I mean, that's how television ads were done. Yeah. So is they were done by the host of the program so or here, someone on the program. Here's what I'm saying. What better venue to talk about how awesome your law school is than a podcast about legal theory? Oh. So I don't understand. Close the circle for me. We can make a lot of money. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, that's definitely not true. Um, so wh- what are you uh, suggesting that some uh, law schools we, can send us ad copy and we'll read about those schools on our, on our program. That doesn't sound we, too we, smart. We could even do native ads, you know, what native, where people won't even know. Oh my just, God. Uh, part of our show can be like, how awesome is the university of Saskatchewan law school? Can you believe the people they've got lined up to talk there this year? We could do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will, but we could. Also, it, I understand that it is not nearly as cold as you think it is up there. <laughs> it is it is wow it is delightful it may i would love to go up there i want to assure everybody that this has never actually happened <laughs> and it isn't going to happen we have guests from many law schools around the country yes. and th- you're worried now that people uh, are thinking that there was uh, some payola I think you, yeah. I think you. I think you've just planted a, right. a rancid seed, <laughs> I think, uh, and I think that's not good. <laughs> so what we need then, we can get. We can. We're going long, but like I feel like we know, are going long, I, we're, and we're going to stop shortly, yeah, especially this, if this is a level. We've I feel hit. like we're just building up ahead of steam now. Oh my job. god! I feel like we 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 need to bring Meredith down here, my wife, who can attest to the fact that this show has never generated any money whatsoever. Although you book guests, I can't now, listeners. I cannot say for sure that Joe is not pocketing something on the side. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, uh, the conspiracy theorizing is really rubbing off. This is the the the, but the, see, po- like, the like popular early, culture is getting to you. All the best conspiracy theories. There's this like this kernel right, of truth. Little bit. There's this little bit, and a right. little bit is is there's already this kind of like weird, gross kind of marketing that occurs among law profs. Right. Yeah. And, you know, ads are big on podcasts. Just saying. So, you know, you know, put the two together. What do you got? Okay. Scratch, baby. I I feel like this is, I feel like this episode has been terrible enough for two weeks. Okay. I think it should tide people over. Um, And (laughs) until we build up, until we really get that, that, that we get into that summer camp groove. Okay. And I can't wait to see who you book for that. 
Yeah, really. I can't it's, either. It's going to be amazing. Who's the highest bidder? <laughs> You're so evil. <laughs> You're so evil. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm going <laughs> to – I think I've already, partly from your influence, um, I think I've already taken to heart in many ways the idea about assuming the best – trying to assume the best motives of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but as to you <laughs> tonight, that's getting a huge downward revision. Right. Yeah. Um, because this 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 stuff I think if is people listen to this show this, this is, stuff this stuff at the end here is just straight out of the pit of hell uh, so uh, well, you know what I can no. say you know what I can say in all seriousness though um, uh, if you know if you know give give the show a shot like some people may be interested in being on the show who have written interesting things like you know <laughs> let's let's have people on the show right I'm just saying like you know there'd be a lot if you want to hear somebody on the like get in touch with us you know we haven't said the the email in a long time. Oral, yeah. oral argument podcast at gmail.com. That's oral argument podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We are also oral argument on Twitter and that's it. Mm. We have no other, we, we, we been, erased our other. And, well, we and we've had them. great guests over the years and we're blessed with great guests who I reach out to them and they're yeah. eager to join us and we have great conversations. And so, yeah, that's cool. And we, um, we're, uh, we are no longer allowed to say what school they're at though. <laughs> Which is will. which is we blame we entirely will. on you. Of course we will. Of course we will. Nope. Going to use fake names, and now we got to get one of those little voice change box things that they can hold over their phone, <laughs> so no one can understand who they are. So they, you, do, you really ruined it. We should do that with us too. Okay. I, I don't yeah, know. There's other person who doesn't know one from the other anyway. But yeah, um, you ruined it. Oh boy. Four and a half years into it. Bound we're to we're four and a half in, years into this 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 journey, this journey of. As we've said a few shows uh, back now of of Joe's self discovery, um, he's like Michael Douglas in the game, and and this is just another this is just another episode of this Joe. This yeah. is just another you know uh, another layer of the onion has been peeled back. I feel like this this form of therapy is is uh, very much an instance of getting what one paid for. I, I, I'm paying for all the hosting, so I don't know if I'm getting what I paid for or not. But, uh, well, that's what, I, that's what I'm are. telling you. Yeah. yeah. In terms of my therapeutic experience yes. and the quality of that therapy, yeah. I'm definitely getting what I paid for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, it, it, any last words for our uh, – it'll be uh, probably two weeks until they hear from us again. Mm. You got anything for them? No. Any tied them over? Any, nope. Any nuggets? Nope. Um, I guess we can just sign off by saying um, – Yes, everything is terrible, and just because we're not talking about it doesn't mean it's not important, but um, that's it. Yes. Okay. <laughs>